It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon. Wonderful to have you along with us here on this Thursday, the 18th of March. I'm Nadine Blaney and this is The Call. I'm just sitting in for Kashi today. Two expert guests, same story as always, 60 minutes and 10 companies plus a stock of the day. Looking forward to all that's to come. One of my guests pointed out, you know, we've got a good mix today, some big, some small, and everything in between. And uh, speaking of, my guest host here with me in studio, Jason McIntosh, he's from Motion Trader. And joining us live via Skype, Carl Capulinga from Think Markets. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. I'm looking forward to it all. Look, I thought I would take a break from talking Fed and just start by getting you to introduce yourself, Jason, to our viewers. Many of them would have seen you before, but I think to set the scene for this discussion, it's worthwhile finding out from you what your methodology is. Yeah, look, Nadine, it's, um, I'm what you call a trend follower. And in the old days, that was all about, you'd look at charts and you'd look for momentum on the chart and that would help you identify investment opportunities. Nowadays, I use algorithms. So I use the algorithms to go through all the data for me. And it's all about, all about looking for momentum and share prices. And then that helps you zero in on opportunities that are really worth, worth looking at and investigating, you know, why is the momentum there? And then it's all about using processes to, to, to stay with the trend when it's working, let your winners run, give them room to move, manage your risk that's a really important part so it's having the exit strategy which is i think we all a lot of people talk about you know they want to know when to buy but when to sell is often an afterthought and it's it's actually i think it's probably the most important part of the whole process if you don't know when to sell because that's when you make your money you make it when you sell so it's all about having that plan so that's what i do and i offer i do that myself i offer the service to others mm -hmm. and uh yeah look cover the whole market all right. so this sort of show is great. We talk about the whole market and uh, I love it. Looking forward to it, Carl. Many viewers will know you already as the guy from sunny Perth, <laughs> mining in your blood, but so are the charts. So talk to us about how you're gonna be approaching the companies that we talk about today. Yeah, look, uh, good afternoon, Nadine. Good afternoon, Jason. And a pretty similar approach to Jason. I think Jason's probably more of a technical first kind of guy and I am as well, but I don't uh, totally discount the fundamentals. I believe in finding the right stock at the right time at the, uh, sorry, at the right price at the right time. So the right stock, generally you want to find a stock who has um, growing earnings. It's in a, in, in a sector where there's a bit of interest and excitement about uh, the market. Um, it, I don't want it to be too expensive. Uh, so I need to see 
uh, a reasonable valuation or if the valuation is a little bit higher than I'd like, some fantastic growth within the business to justify that. And then the charts for me is all about the timing. So it's one thing to find the right stock at the right price, but if the chart is pointing down, um, the market hasn't realised what I've realised yet. So I believe the market uh, knows more than I do. The market's always right. So my job is to uh, follow those market trends, much like Jason does. And when I've, uh, you know, I've got a short list of stocks I'm looking at. When those charts turn in the right direction, that's when I'm looking to get involved. So it's a bit more of a, a holistic approach. All right. So that sets the scene, I think, for our viewers quite well. It's going to be a lively program. Let's get into it, shall we? Stock of the day. Unibail Rodemco Westfield. So today we've learned that it's closed the sale of three Paris office buildings for well over 200 million euros. It is the latest stage of its 4 billion European asset disposal program, now standing at some 800 million euros of sales so far. So the company is also looking to plan to withdraw entirely from its US market exposure within two years. So set all of that against the backdrop of what some say is a paradigm shift in the way in which we shop. Of course, these are shopping centers primarily that they hold and then put against that vaccine rollouts and some pretty good economic data coming from some of those regions, including the UK. So I've set the scene, Carl, curious to know what you think of Unibel Redemco Westfield as a recovery play. Yeah, look, there's so much going on, as you say, there's so many moving parts now. Um, and, and that's what COVID's done for us analysts is created all of these uh, moving parts that we then need to put together and assess and determine whether it's you know, the right stock at the right price at the right time. Uh, look, Unibail, I should say, has been, it's been one of those beaten down stocks, obviously, uh, COVID drove a truck through earnings. However, I would suggest as we're sort of getting towards the end of this uh, disruption, you know, you've seen probably about 20 to 25% knocked off, uh, you know, foot traffic and, and their customer sales. So I think that's not as bad as some of us might have been thinking this time last year when everything was closed. Uh, they're not out of the woods yet. Um, they said in their uh, uh, four-year report in February that uh, all locations, all geographic locations, there are still restrictions, some restrictions in place. But as you suggested, the data, uh, particularly UK, but in Europe, it's starting to get better. Uh, I think there's a lot of pent up demand out there to, to get back out into shops. And, uh, you know, we're heading into a, a northern uh, hemisphere summer. So we're going to want to get out the sunshine, uh, head to the shops, head to the head to the, the cafes. A lot of these um, you know, shopping malls have all of those facilities in them. Uh, and we, we should see things return to some quote unquote sense of normal, hopefully by the end of uh, 2021. Now, that doesn't mean that things are going to get straight back to normal for Unibail, unfortunately, because there's going to be longer lasting impacts. So some of the some of the businesses that are within their shopping centres aren't going to make it at all. The damage has been done. Uh, they're going to need to find new leases. They're down about, uh, I've got some numbers here, I think they're down about 80% new leases in the last FY. So it's going to take some time to get back. Um, they won't be able to raise rents as quickly as they would otherwise have liked. Um, so that's going to impact earnings as well. So on the face of it, you think, oh, it's going to be a spectacular turnaround. This is this is the place to be. But the reality is, for, for, for these guys, it's going to take longer uh, than you might think. And the company said that themselves. They've suspended their dividends for the next uh, couple mm -hmm. of years. But is, said it, that, is it good value yeah. at these levels? Uh, no, uh, I don't think it's great value. I don't think it's terrible value. Um, that The numbers don't look bad, but we're just pushing out this recovery. And in the meantime, you're not getting, getting a dividend yield. So everything's got to come from price appreciation. Now, the chart's saying that there is a pretty good chance for price appreciation. My chart says that 
we've seen this low. I think we've seen this low. Um, it was at 241 back in October last year. Since then, the, the, the volume, the price and the volume are doing all the right things to, to cement that as a low. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to necessarily race straight back up. We could have a long period of consolidation around these levels. But on balance, I think we've seen the low. So let me cut to the chase here. If you're a holder, I think you, you should hang on. I, I think there's more upside than downside from here, based upon what I've just said. If you've um, got cash on the sidelines looking to buy, I'm not sure this is the one right now. I'd keep a very close eye on it. Uh, but I think there are better opportunities out there in terms of the capital growth you're going to get from share price and then also a kicker from some dividends in the meantime. Jason, is there anything in there that you would disagree with? Look, I think Carl and I are pretty much on the same page with this one. I think the low's in. Uh, it, that was back in October. The, the price action since then has been, I think it's been really constructive. And like this, this stock was in a you know, bit of a, wasn't a downtrend prior to COVID and COVID just accelerated uh, that, that downward process. And, but now it looks like all the, all the bad news that's going to come out is now all factored in. And it is a, look, it's a recovery candidate, it's a turnaround story. How much it turns around, well, that's, that's yet to be seen. Like you made a great point earlier about uh, we've changed the way that we, we shop to, to a great extent. Uh, we now do a whole lot of stuff online. That's been a concern I've had with, with, um, with some of the retail um, sector for a while. Like, how, how's that going to work with shopping centres? You know, the old style shopping centre, is it going to be the way, way of the future? It's um, like I'd prefer office or, or um, industrial. But, um, but look, you know, it's still the world we live in. We still use shopping centres. It's, um, and this is, a, this is a play. The fact it doesn't have a yield at the moment is a, you know, I think that's a drawback because you know, the typical person who'd get into this would be someone who's after a yield. So not having that is, well, you go, well, why am I there? Then I'm after capital appreciation. How much capital appreciation is there? That's uh, the real unknown. So downside, I think, is, is limited. Upside, I think there's upside there. How much? You know, it's, it's really hard to say. You wouldn't buy it today? No. Not a buy. That is a stock of the day done and dusted. That allows us to get onto some of the companies that you have asked us about. So this is a question that's come to us from Rob. Osnet Services, AST is the ticker code there. Uh, this is another company that some brokers say it uh, will in fact be able to grow dividends faster than inflation, or it does not believe that it will be able to grow dividends faster than inflation. But what are you looking at in terms of momentum with Osnet Services? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think it's a, the largest company we're going to talk about today. ASX 100 company, $6.5 billion market cap. And it's, a, um, it's a, an infra energy infrastructure yeah. business. So, you know, doing the, 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 the electricity transmission from the, the generators out to the, uh, out to the grid, distributing it to the clients. And it's Victorian based. So it may not be a name familiar to a lot of people, but if you're in Victoria, you probably know it. Mm -hmm. 1.5 million Victorians use it. It's um, so you know a big regulated business. I think 87% of the the, uh, the business assets are, are regulated. So you know the company's saying that over the next three years they're expecting maybe two to two and a half percent annual growth through that through that asset base. So you know big stable, you know, predictable cash flows, mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. It's um, I look at this. I think I think this is primarily a yield play, and the, you know, the stock hit an all-time high of $2.10 in October, the 19th of October. And that was the same day that the 10-year the government bond hit a low of 0.726%. Mm -hmm. So since that point, government bonds generally around the world, the mm -hmm. long bonds, they've been, uh, the yield's been increasing. 
and Ausnet, well, the share price has been in decline. So you've got that. There is a correlation, the negative correlation there. And I think the, um, and just in recent, recent times, the last few weeks, Ausnet's been rising as yields have been consolidating. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're, you're looking to invest in Ausnet, you've really got to have a view on interest rates, where, where, where the bond yield's going. Mm -hmm. And that's an, that's an interesting question on its own. So yeah. these yields are we going We spend up. the whole hour on that one. But it's yeah. like, is it, are the, the central bank's going to step in and try and cap the, the rise? Because I think they want to maintain control of that long end. Yeah. So they don't want it to, you know, the bond vigilantes to you know, take control and, and you know, send mm -hmm. yields soaring. They don't want the recovery being derailed. So I think that means there's probably a limited downside to, to Ausnet. I think that puts a floor under it. It's got a dividend yield of 5.5%. So that's, that's, look, that's probably quite, quite attractive for a yield investor. Mm -hmm. But when I look at it from, um, from a momentum perspective, it's really been tracking, broadly been tracking sideways for a few years. You know, it had, had that high recently, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, it hasn't really been, been powering higher for, for a few years now. Uh, I think for me, it doesn't tick my momentum boxes. And whilst it's, it's interesting, it's one to maybe keep an eye on. I, I don't know, the upside doesn't excite me. The growth prospects don't excite me. I'd probably leave it alone. So Carl, we've said it before, sometimes boring is good. Is boring good <laughs> in the case of Osnet Services? Yeah, look, we're a broad church over here at Think Markets. We've got clients from all walks of life. Some people are managing their self-managed super funds and they want something just boring like this, but boring and stable. Pays a reasonable dividend yields, about 5.6%. Uh, it's only 50% frank to our, our uh, self-managed super fund clients. Uh, probably not as keen on this one as some of the bank stocks, which are, are fully franked. Obviously, those franking mm -hmm. credits very nice. Um, we have uh, had a buy on this in the past, uh, just on the basis of... of, of to, to clients who are, who are uh, focused on on yield and stability, of course, that was uh, when COVID was at its worst, and, and those things were, were really quite valued. Now that we're moving back into a, a growth phase uh, for the, for the global economy, not just the, the Australian market, we're less enthusiastic about this one. Uh, it has uh, limited growth prospects, as Jason said. You know, a lot of their um, price increases are, are regulated. In fact, if they earn a certain amount of money over a revenue cap, they have to actually give it back to, to customers. Um, but yeah, look, it's 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 the right stock for the right portfolio. It's not my cup of tea because I'm looking for growth first and foremost, uh, and and it's just not there. It's not particularly cheap either. So when I talk about the right stock at the right price, uh, it's not really ticking the box there. In terms of the chart, uh, it's probably bottom of a trading range, but not necessarily one I'd be too excited to to run run out and buy just right now. So that is not a buy, but if you no. are holding it for yield, as some perhaps are, it's not a sell. Yeah. Okay. Good. Absolutely. That is for you, Rob. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's get to another company. Uh, this is Duke Exploration. I had never heard of the company. The ticker code is DEX. Glenn has given us a little bit of context, saying it has announced results for Copper Discovery, which at uh, roundabout today's copper price equates to about a billion dollar find. What would be the chances of such a small company developing this find? Or is it more likely the deposit will be acquired by a larger mining company, Rio BHP? So I'll start with you, Carl, with your experience in the space. Look, we won't spend too much time talking about what could be for a company like sure. Duke because there are just so many possibilities. But have you looked at this company? Have you looked at the charts? What do you think? Yeah, look, I hadn't looked at it before this one. There are so many uh, mm -hmm. prospective miners out there, you know, some of them kicking over rocks in the desert. Some of them will never find anything and uh, they end up mining um, shareholders' wallets more than 
unfortunately, reap natural resources. Um, look, this is a fairly new one, so it's a fairly new listing. Um, it, that means there's not a lot of a chart to actually give you analysis on, as we can see, that's just up on screen. Um, so looking at the, the fundamentals of the company, um, it looks like they've got a, a big a pile of copper over there at their um, Mount Flora uh, project. Um, they're just shoring up sort of resources at the moment, doing a lot of drilling. They're sort of about a, 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 a quarter to a third of the way through a drilling campaign. Um, results appear to be good. It looks to be very shallow. It looks to be quite high grade. Um, there's quite a bit of silver in there as well. Uh, and they're all wonderful things. So um, plenty of good news probably to follow. The only problem is uh, with $7.3 million in the bank, they're not going to be able to develop a $1 billion copper resource. I mean, that, that's just simple uh, mathematics. So. Um, either they're going to have to raise a lot of capital over the coming years because, hey, they're just drilling. It's not like they've, they've done any, you know, uh, pre-feasibility studies for a mine or, or offtake agreements, anything like that, or it's going to get acquired. Um, either way, uh, the, 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 the performance you're going to get out of this is from hits. So great, great drilling results. Uh, they'll be short and sharp and you might make a little bit of money, uh, but then the reality will set in in terms of how long it's going to take to actually uh, get, a, get a mine out of it. So on that basis, it's a little bit too early for me. That, As we said, the chart, there's nothing in the chart to discuss. And in terms of uh, where the company is at right now, it is very uh, early stages. So this is early stage. This is not a buy. This is not very spicky, perhaps maybe a trading stock yeah. for short term. Do you see it any different? No, pretty much the same. $23 million market cap. It's only been listed for four months. And uh, so, look, it, from, from my perspective, the way I analyse it, um, there's just not enough there to really go off. It's, uh, they raised $8 million in their IPO, and they're going to use that for, for the exploration that they're, they're currently doing. It's, um, look, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not a geologist, and, and Carl's probably given a better summary of what their, their resource possibilities are than, than, than I can. But... Just, just from experience, I know that you know, it's, a really, it's a really hard game to play this exploration. And a lot of these smaller companies, they get into a cycle of they drill, they raise capital to drill some more, they come back, do some more drilling, go back, raise some more capital. And for a lot of them, it ends up being, and their shareholders, a very ordinary result. And, uh, and they just, just struggle along for years. So that's not to say that'll be what happens with Duke. I don't know. You, some of these stocks can do fabulously well, and it could be one of them. But it is a, uh, the odds are stacked against them. And it, look, it takes more than a, um, a couple of good drilling results to make a mine and takes more than a couple of good drilling results to develop an asset that somebody wants to buy and, and have the company taken over. You can see in the share price now that it's not spiking higher because of what we already know. So the market knows that and, and that's how they're, they're rating the company where it currently stands. So look, I'd... Um, I'd, uh, if I was interested in this company, I'd, I'd look at it, I'd wait for some momentum to appear in the share price, and then I'd consider taking a position then where I can then manage the risk with the, you know, investing in the direction of the, you know, the path of least resistance. But if we don't get that momentum, well, there's no hurry to get in. So you can just step back and it saves, could save like years of holding and hoping that, that you know, the drill hits yeah. the right point and things skyrockets. Holding, hoping, and potentially being tapped on the shoulder for a bit more cash. That's probably a, probably a sure thing, that bit. That's <laughs> not a buy for Duke Exploration, Glenn. Let's get to the next company 
On the list, RPM Global. This is a company that John is asking about. John, I hope you're watching or you're listening. And just a caveat to this program, it's information. This is not specific financial advice. Of course, you need to get your own and take your own personal circumstances into consideration. But that being said, RPM Global, look, it's had a good time lately. It came out saying that revenue exceeded that which was outlined in its second half or its half yearly presentation. Yeah, it was, a, it was the second half. Uh, it is an, a company that does have history, uh, Carl, over there in Perth. It's been around for a long time. It provides yes. data, it, uh, you know, software, it's training, it's advisory. Do you know the company? Importantly, do you like the company? Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, as you say, it's been around for a very, very long time. And uh, much like the mining industry, it has uh, had its swings and, and roundabouts. Uh, it's been um, on a bit of a downturn for the last couple of years, uh, but did very well back in the boom, sort of um, early uh, teens, you know, 2010, 11, 12, uh, made some fantastic profits. And then as that mining sector, particularly iron ore over here, um, just uh, sort of went downhill. Uh, so did their fortunes. Look, they appear to be coming back now. And I think, um, you know, they, they did have a great result, as you suggested, and that's despite uh, COVID. So they've got operations all around the world. And, um, you know, the impact of COVID was substantial in the results, even though the results were quite solid, because it's it's difficult to get out to clients and customers and service them and, and get new sales uh, coming in as well. So it's a commendable result given the circumstances, and I do think they're at 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 the at the point of an upswing in their business. Whether they'll get back to the heady heights of um, the early, you know, late uh, noughties, early teens boom, uh, it's it's difficult to say at this stage because there are still unknowns with what's going to happen with the mining sector going forward. Yes, there's potentially this, uh, what, what do we call it, commodity super cycle in play. And uh, let's sort of divide that in two and divide it in two again. And that's probably going to be the reality. And these guys can make some money if that occurs. The only problem I have, so yeah, look, I think right company, right, right sort of uh, general timing. Um, but but just the, the price of this, it's, they're certainly not cheap. They're not making a, any money right now. We're expecting that to probably swing back into profits by the end of this financial year and into F, FY22. Um, so they've had a little period of losses. And therefore, you know, given the market capitalization compared to what they're going to make, I'm not liking the valuation at this point in time. The chart's not too bad, having said that. So the chart is on a, on a more general sort of uh, broad uptrend. Um, it is a very volatile stock. Uh, you can see on that chart right now on screen, it, it, it pops up, it pulls back, it pops up, it pulls back. It's, it's, it's had its little pullback recently. It's probably closer to the top of the range than the bottom of the range. It's hard for me to get too excited on it based upon those technicals and therefore the, um, and also the uh, not fantastic valuation as well. So it's a pass for me. It's a pass, Jason. So is the chart telling you anything different in terms of momentum? Yeah, look, it's um, it's an interesting stock. It's been on my radar for a while now. It um, first triggered my momentum indicators in, I think it was September 2019, and it had a had a good run from there. Then, of course, COVID happened, and that that you know, knocked it for six. And uh, and but what was interesting with that, it fell heavily into into the March low, but then it started to regain momentum quite quite quickly. And so I think that was that was you know quite a supportive sign that there's good good um, underlying support for this, this stock at the right price. And it's, um, look, it's in the, it's got a market cap of around $300 million. It's not in the ASX 300, but it's in the, the all ordinaries. And I think, look, it's just typical of those sort of stocks you find outside the ASX 300. And you can get some fascinating businesses with lots of potential that the names are just not familiar to, to, to many people. 
And uh, look, it's got a, got a foothold in two areas which I think offer quite a bit of potential over the next few years, and that's software and mining. So what they have is they've got a, they've got a cloud-based platform for, for the mining industry, and it's all about um, including the mine design, reserve modeling, um, asset and equipment maintenance, financing, all this thing into one, one platform for, for management to, to use to uh, manage and streamline and improve their operations. So it's a subscription-based business. Uh, I th look, I think these subscription-based businesses are really good because if you've got a good product and your client base is happy to come back and keep subscribing, you can build a really valuable asset. And it was really interesting earlier this week with those re revisions that came out. So they had their half-year reports and then they'd come out later and mm -hmm. revise up the numbers, which don't, we don't often see. And that was, that showed some really good, I think some really promising results uh, amid the backdrop of COVID where they've got 21 global offices. And I think it was 11 of them had to either be closed or partially closed. So it made it really hard to get out to clients. Yet they've still had some strong results. They've, um, they're getting some, some big mining companies on board with their, their service. It's, um, look, I think it's uh, a company which can, can probably build its market share over the next few years, over the medium term. In terms of buying it now, look, it's, it's had a big run over the last 12 months. Well, it's doubled in price over the last 12 months. To me, it looks like it needs to pause and consolidate. It looks like it could be getting a little bit top heavy at these, these levels. So whilst I like the, uh, the overall potential of it, $33 million in cash, good balance sheet, I'd leave it for now. It's about $1.29 today. And I'm asking this on behalf of our viewers who are saying, okay then, a bit of a pullback, what does that mean? What would be a pullback that would potentially tempt you to get into this name? You can never say in advance, because no one, like people talk about buying the dip, but where does the dip go to? You don't know, you only know in hindsight. So. I'd, I wouldn't say, oh, look, you buy 10% lower or 20% lower, mm -hmm. because sometimes the dip continues to 80% lower. You just don't know. So things happen, things change and evolve. So I'd rather watch a consolidation rather than preempt how far it could go. Like, you know, a nice healthy consolidation in a bull market could be three to six months of just going sideways, you know, pulling back, you know, 15, 20%. But that doesn't become the point where you buy because you don't know all consolidations are different stocks to behave differently, new news comes out. And uh, so it's sort of like a wait and, wait and watch sort of approach, see what happens. And if we get the right sort of signals later on, it's then you look at it. But it's, um, yeah, you can't go forward with this, um, this script of this is what's going to happen, this is what should happen, this is what I'm going to do in advance. It's have your process and then follow that process as the price action evolves. So that's a mind frame that investors have to get across and into if that is their approach. Okay, next company on the list getting into uh, a bit bigger end of the market and one that's written about and talked about plenty and that is Zipco in the buy now pay later space. This is for Marinos saying, is there any truth to rumors of a dual listing in the United States? Well, we may not be able to answer that question specifically, but we will give you a view on Zip. Now there is talk that they will be listing in the United States. They've got that massive quad pay business there that they are looking to really increase and leverage. We've got more competition coming in the buy now pay later space. As we speak, Carl, we've just heard that Commonwealth Bank is getting into the business. So is that enough of a cloud on the horizon, the threat of potentially more competition, potentially more regulation that might offset any big moves that Zip could make in the US? 
Yes, unfortunately, I think those are all very real and very pertinent problems. So CBA's uh, entry is not surprising. I think it, you know, it's on the back of PayPal coming into the market as well. And uh, often, you know, these these big um, providers, these you know, great networks or already great relationships that are in place and lots of customers, um, they they're undercutting uh, both Afterpay and Zip in terms of uh, the deal they're offering merchants. Uh, but I think merchants. They will largely take this in their stride and they'll, they'll just add, they'll, you know, they'll add the PayPal option, they'll add the CBA option and there'll be an afterpay option and, and a zip option. So, you know, we'll just see half a dozen um, little logos down the bottom and you kind of go with the platform you're comfortable with. Uh, the question will be whether you know, customers are, are, are sticky uh, on that quad pay. And, you know, we can broaden this conversation out to the afterpay platform. They're in, all in a pretty similar position. Uh, will they list in the US? Look, probably. Uh, I think they will. Um, what, what are the upsides of that? Well, potentially you start to uh, get more US style and US growth style multiples applied uh, to the company here, and there'll be ar ar arbiters um, looking to uh, arbitrage any price move uh, backing out through the currency of the US listing versus the Australian listing. You might get some upside from that. But I think, you know, bigger picture, uh, that will not be the sole driver of why you would invest in Zip at this stage. So um, for Marinos, uh, if you're thinking that that is the reason to get in, it's not. You have to look at the business itself. You have to look at whether it's at the right time, the right price, and uh, whether the chart's heading in the right direction. Look, I think it's a very exciting business. I think there's lots of growth in there. I wonder how much of um, that excitement and growth is already factored into prices. Uh, in terms of the valuation, there is no valuation right now because they're not making money. They're investing heavily into continuing to grow their business. That's a bit of a roll of the dice because of these new entrants, potential regulation. And we might find that there are literally um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars mm -hmm. invested for not a lot of return down, down the track. So um, it's, it's a company with fantastic opportunity, but with that opportunity comes incredible risks as well. For that reason, if you're going to own this one, it would be a very, very small proportion of your portfolio. So it's not a, no, don't own it. It's just be very sensible with your risk. This shouldn't be 20, 30, 40% of your portfolio. That would be frightening for me. In terms of the chart, the chart doesn't look too bad. It's in a longer term uptrend, but it's in a short term downtrend. So whilst that short term downtrend persists, I'd be very cautious on it. I don't think there's any rush to run out and buy it at this stage. I'd be very, very interested to see how it responds to that sort of 7, 750 area. If I saw the right candlesticks pop in there, I'd be happy to put a little bit of a toe in the water if I didn't already have some. Otherwise, if I'm not on the show when that happens, you might want to wait until it uh, completes this short-term downtrend and moves above, I'll give you a level here, about 860. And that would tell me that the, the new short-term uptrend is probably in place. But until then, there's not a lot you need to do on Zip. Got it, Carl. Um, Jason, you were mentioning bond yields earlier. This is a company mm. that could be impacted as we see these higher bond rates in terms of valuation, but also the cost of funding as well. Mm. Yeah, look, I, um, I actually think this stock's potentially put in a major high at uh, at 14.53 and I think there's a, a real prospect that we don't see that high again for, for some time. It's even like when I look at the chart it's even got some of the characteristics that you'd associate with a, with you know what we call a blow-off top. So to put it all in a bit of perspective so Zip traded at five dollars in December so that gave it a market cap of 2.8 billion dollars and then within um, it was just two months just two months later the market cap had shot up to eight billion. So, a small cap, a small cap miner might treble its market cap in a couple of months. But this is an ASX 200 company. ASX 200 companies aren't known for tripling market cap in, in two months. So, to me, that suggests there's a there's a lot of speculative fever in the market, and it uh, it's um, 
you know, it, from a risk-reward standpoint, I really do have some concerns about it because I think, like, when, whenever I look at a stock, whenever I want to invest in a stock, it's like, how much can I do I think I can potentially make relative to my risk? And I think the, the risk with this is, um, you know, I think it's, it, it's really much, really grown at the moment. And uh, if, um, yeah, look, I think this is a stock I'd rather just, just step back from and, and, and not, not invest in just now. If it is some sort of a blow off top, you'd expect the share price to make its way back down to maybe around $5 over the next, maybe over the next few months, six to nine months, whatever it may be. It could well be a great investment for the for the longer term, mm-hmm. but where we stand at the moment, um, you know, chasing stocks which trip treble in value is, um, you know, it's not the it's not the ideal way to sort of make um, consistent money over a longer period of time. It's very speculative and very um, very feverish, I think. Marinos, U.S. listing or no U.S. listing, that is a no for a buy today. Coming from Jason and Carl, actually, for the record, I'll do the wrap up in just a moment. We've got one company to get through. This is Breville Group. So we've got strong housing, low interest rates. Uh, people have got a lot of money. They're not able to travel offshore. And so the scene is set potentially for Breville Group. Jason, I might start with you on this one. Uh, what's the momentum telling you in terms of Breville Group? Yeah, it's had great momentum for a while. You know, it's a, it's a big company. People will be familiar with it. You know, manufacturer and marketer of household products. And they've been having some really good results. It's uh, like, you know, revenue was up you know, 29% recently. Um, uh, net profit was up um, 29%. So, you know, the company is saying if there's no significant changes to the economy, expecting to uh, have, have results which are ahead of guidance over, the, um, over the, the 21 financial year. And management put a lot of this down to, um, you know, all their regions and, and, and categories performing well. That's one of these stocks which are like, COVID has been bad for some mm-hmm. companies, but, but great Real for others. Real silver lining for others. And for Breville, it's been, it's been really good. Can so it continue, though? All these people staying at home, making coffee and yep. cooking in the stove Pizzas, top and everything. It's lunchtime, I'm hungry. So I think, um, I think the over, under, underlying businesses is really strong. It's about the valuation. Is the valuation right for further investment? So it's interesting. The, um, the CEO recently sold down 60% of his, of his ordinary shares. Uh, and... Um, was something like 8.7 million dollars worth of shares and the company said well look this is all okay because he's buying a house and he's settling that some tax ob- obligations and that's all okay that's all fair enough but to me it seems like he's taking some money off the table at a record high share price valuation rise it's sort of like a PE of 44 ish I think um, they've actually cut the dividend which is really interesting because normally they cut a dividend when things are going bad but mm-hmm. Revel have cut the dividend because they want to put more money into growth yeah which is all great it's really good but you know it's um and you know what they've, they've just bought a seattle-based coffee company and uh and they're expanding in the middle east and their european business is going well mm-hmm. all good things but is it the you know as carl says is it the, the you know the, the the right time and the right price i think Probably think think neither. I think if you own shares, I'd I'd hold those shares because the trend is certainly up. And I'm not about picking tops and markets because mm-hmm. markets can run further than people can imagine they can run. But in terms of buying here, I'd um, again look. I, I wouldn't. I'd I'd watch and wait. It looks like it could consolidate a little bit. Like the share price has been mm-hmm. pulling back recently. See how that unfolds, and then then look at it again in you know, as you know, as that that consolidation or that correction you know, works its way through. All right. 
Uh, Carl, curious to get your thoughts because, of course, we've got stimulus checks hitting pockets in the U.S., which is one of Breville's markets. But <laughs> for the purposes of this program, the question yep. always is, would you buy today? Yeah, look, I don't know if those stimulus checks are going to go into uh, coffee machines and um, uh, toasters. They're probably more likely to go into Bitcoin and Dogecoin and mm -hmm. uh, those sorts of things. But putting those uh, those God, You're almost sounding aside, cynical uh, there, Carl. Uh, well, yes, a little bit on that on that concept, absolutely. Look, some of it's going to find its way into the real economy, fingers crossed. Uh, but I think this is a fantastic stock. Like, it's, it is really well managed. It, it look, it's it's the right time for them as well. I mean, they, they, the COVID has actually worked very much in their favour. They shot the lights out with their last results. And I think, you know, we, we've got a lot of, uh, there's, there's still a lot of demand. There's still a lot of spending that's going to come uh, across their various geographic regions. And it is a widely diversified company. What a great um, su success story yeah. this is. Uh, and I really, really, really love the company. And I think this is a core holding. I think this is one you want to have in your portfolio. Um, the, the only problem is the valuation is not fantastic. So I've got a one year forward PE of about 30, but the growth is, growth is good enough to bring that sort of down to 25, you know, the year next year and then into the 20s the year after. So um, it's hard to get growth like this. So sometimes you have to pay a little bit more. I'd be comfortable doing that right here. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited by the fact that they're reducing their dividend to invest in growth. What does that tell you? I mean, last year, um, they raised a bunch of um, money and they put that all into inventory. What does that tell you as well? And they, 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 they nailed that one as well. Well, yeah, and it's um, rare for an Australian company to cut a dividend to invest in growth. Let's be honest about that one. So you're yeah. excited about excited. this one? I think yeah. it's fantastic. I, I okay. think all companies should when they see, you know, be flexible with their approach. When they see the growth, let's get out there and chase it. I think, I think that the, the high PE will be justified. The chart looks great. Um, it's at the bottom of a trading range, and I think you get in here. I'm a buy. Well, this is the first disagreement we've had today, and that is a buy for Breville coming from Carl. Okay, we're midway through the program. All the companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of our expert guests, we've been putting in. So we'll get a check in on how this fund is performing before I do the roundup of the top five. So weekly, we're up by 2.4% on the month, down by 0.7%, let's call it that. And in the year to date, we're up close to 25.5%. Lately, we've added Evolution Mining, Event Hospitality and Entertainment, Omni, Omni Bridgeway, Kogan, and McMahon. You can check that out by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Let me run you through what we've learned so far today from our expert guests, Jason McIntosh, Carl Kapalinga, as far as the stock of the day goes, Unibel Redemco Westfield, that is a no-go from both of these gentlemen. Now, Carl says hold it if you had it because you're likely, uh, you know, in there for a reason, but it's just not great value and you're not getting a dividend. And yet, uh, Jason agrees, you know, the no-yield is a drawback for a company such as it. It's just a no-go for both. Osnet Services, AST is a ticker code there. Uh, Carl is saying, look, there are some people who would be in this for yield, and if you are in there already, you can hold on to it, but it's, it's not super cheap. And regulation is something that was brought up by Carl, also brought up by Jason McIntosh, saying it's primarily a yield play, but $2.10 is high. It is uh, not a buy from him for now. Duke Exploration, DEX, a lot of these explorers on the boards, a lot of them have high hopes. Very few will make a lot of money in the short term, at least, for investors. So this is not a buy, again, from both of the guys. There's not a lot of history, actually, to go on. It's quite a recent listing. Uh, it could potentially be a trading stock in Carl's view, but look, it's just too early. Uh, Jason agrees. Look, there's not enough to go off of. There's not a long chart history. And it takes more 
money to make a mine. It takes a lot more money than this company has to eventually make a mine. So it's a very real possibility, in fact, almost a certainty that investors, early investors, will be tapped on the shoulder many times to come for some cash. RPM Global on the list, R-U-L. So this is a pass from both of the guys. Again, uh, look, uh, it's one to watch in Jason's view, but he says it just needs to pause and consolidate. Uh, unwilling to give a timeline on that, that's not how he invests, but it has been on his radar, radar for a while. It just needs to have a trigger uh, to move higher. It's a pass because Carl says it's not cheap, it's not making money, and uh, yeah, he's not liking the valuation either. So that's just not a lot to like in Carl's view when it comes to RPM Global. Zipco is in a hot space. Buy now, pay later. I don't think I need to explain it to any of you. Look, regulation competition increasing in Carl's view. It is likely to list in the US to answer your question, Marinos, but it's not a reason to invest in the company at this time. He says, look, there is no rush to get in. It's risky and you know, Jason agrees. Look, he thinks that it's actually put in a major high. So the top has been blown. We might not see that top for quite some time. He says, enjoy uh, the, or avoid the fever, avoid the fever. It is uh, just too risky to get in. That brings us to Breville. So we've got a buy. We've got a buy coming from Carl. He's excited about this one. Fantastic company, part of your core holding. He likes that it's investing, reinvesting in itself for growth. But Jason raises a point that the CEO has recently sold about 60% of his holdings. So sure, you want to tax uh, mitigation. Sure, you want to buy a house. But is he taking advantage of the fact that you know, the stock price has run to record heights. Think it is just not the right time to buy this company. It has had great momentum, but is the valuation correct? Enough in that, enough questions being raised by Jason uh, to keep him from buying this company. So that is not a buy coming from Jason. It will not be going in that portfolio I just detailed. Okay, let's get to it, shall we? 12.43, gents, I'm gonna have to ask you to keep it a little bit shorter in your answers. Carl, you got that? Invocare, IVC, this is a question coming from Monica. It's a tricky one. Uh, just on, and I, I know we're short on time, but that uh, that sale of um, by Jim Clayton of those shares, I think that's more of a property timing issue, not a stock price timing issue. I think he just doesn't want to see his mansion. Market doesn't on like that though. Market does not like that's that. Right. Anyways, move on, Carl, because okay. it's not just Kashi that's okay. piling on. It's my MD know, Kylie Merritt. I know. I know. <laughs> get okay, fired. Sorry, Look, <laughs> invoke, invoke. Who would have thought a global pandemic would hit? And these guys would be uh, almost, uh, well, not wiped out, but the earnings were, were absolutely bashed up by a global pandemic because death rates actually fell here in Australia. So, I know. Uh, you know, it's a crazy thing to think about. Now, the problem with that, let's compare it to Unibail Rademco. We're going to have a, a, a wonderful summer in Europe and people are going to get out to shops and they're going to go have coffees and, and, and buy stuff in shops. We're not going to see a massive bounce back in deaths in Australia uh, in, in the next financial year or the financial year after that. Uh, so that is, uh, we're not going to see that major growth bounce back in the earnings of this company. Um, I can't see the earnings. I can't see um, the, the, the bargain basement valuation uh, price here. Um, the chart looks very, very flat, as we can see. And I think they're just reflecting my other two concerns. So it's a no from me. It's a no. What about you, Jason? Because this could potentially, again, be a turnaround story. Yeah, it could be. It's got some of the some of the hallmarks of a of a turnaround stock. So it, this was a terrific growth story from two thousand four to two thousand seventeen. Shares ran from two dollars to eighteen dollars. So it was really a a pin up stock for for a, a trend following and let your profits run approach. 
but then all growth stories at some point hit a snag and they hit theirs in 2017. They had plateauing uh, growth, competition was coming into the, the market and the, you know, the share price went into a tailspin and it's, whilst it's lost its downward momentum, it looks like it could be basing. It looks like the, uh, the downside risk in this stock, stock now could be quite low. I look at like, where's the, where's the upside going to come from? Its growth, um, growth potential doesn't, doesn't look exciting. It's, so it's like, well, yeah, it might be a turnaround story, but turning around into what? And I don't think it's turning around into, into, into that, that growth stock, which it once was. Uh, I think there's more competition in the market now. It's, uh, look, I would, um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd avoid it. The, it it's, look, it's still priced somewhat like a growth stock. Its PE is high-ish. The dividend yield is only around 1%. That's been cut due to circumstances and could come back a bit when conditions normalise, but not enough to not enough to get me going. I think there's better risk-reward opportunities elsewhere. And it always comes down to that, doesn't it, Monica? That's for you. Let's get on to Brainship from Josh. Now, Brainship has recently had its chief executive terminated, Luis Donardo. No sort of F4 uh, you know, mm. warning on that one. So its stock price has plunged about 10%. This is one of those companies that has been on this massive growth trajectory in terms of share price gains. What do you mm. think of the momentum in Brainship? This is such a surprise packet on so many levels. So I looked at this yesterday, I hadn't seen this stock before. This is one of the fun things about coming on the show. Yeah. You sometimes do come up with these, these stocks which no one's heard of. And uh, it, um, it's got a market cap of $900 million. I had to look at that twice. I had to check it on a second source because I didn't think it was right. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, it's got a market cap of 900 million. Share price is 55 cents. 12 months ago, the share price was 3 cents. Mm -hmm. So at 3 cents, it had a market cap of 50 million. So it's gone from 50 million to 900 million yeah. in 12 months. 55 is not the high. The <laughs> high was 95 cents in, uh, I think it was October. Mm -hmm. So that means it went from 50 million to 1.5 billion in six months. It's like, you know, and, and you look at the, you step back and go, okay, what are they doing? What are the, the fundamentals of this company? And, uh, you know, it's, it's got nearly no revenue. It's been losing about $15 million a year for the last four years. This current year it lost $29 million US dollars on revenue of 120000 So it's like, you know, party like it's 1999. It's like we're back to the dot-com days. Yeah. But there's actually a bit more to this than, the, than a dot-com company getting a domain name and a website. They've got this really interesting technology. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's about, they've developed this device called Akita. So it's a semiconductor aimed at um, revolutionizing the way we mm -hmm. use technology. And they say it learns from experience just like a human and it consumes so low power. So it's a computer that's gonna think like a brain, you know, architecture for edge computing applications. So that might be very interesting, but would you put your money so into that So at the moment, right that's, that's all just a story. Yeah. So, you know, stories are great, but, so then when you look at, well, why the share price goes run so hard back in September. And I'm going to have to push you because we're running out of time. Would you buy it today? Well, they've got NASA on board. NASA's testing their, testing their thing to see whether it helps with spacecraft um, flight. Yeah. And they're, they're, it's going into um, smart cars with a, with a big French auto buy, manufacturer. Buy, hold, or sell. If you want a real specky, if you want a specky with a lot of blue sky. I know sky, you don't want to say it, but you do want to say it. You, you, would, I reckon it, you would buy it. I'd want to buy this into momentum. Okay. Into momentum. So if, say it's 55 now, if it broke 60 cents and I wanted to have a punt, not much money in it because you probably don't need much money because this could be a mega stock yep. or it could just disappear forever and never be heard of again.
So, so with you can that buy it at 60, you can have an exit stop at 40 cents. So the risk, this is a great thing with this one, the risk is manageable because the volatility has just died down recently from super volatile to you know, yeah. calm. So if you want a pun, buy it at 60, stop loss at 40, see what happens, hold on for the ride. Got it. All right, that is a good answer for Josh. So Carl, buy, hold, sell. That's all you get. Buy, hold, sell. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, look, I think it's a, it, look, we've had a buy on this for a while, but it, again, we're a broad church. So it's for, for those investors that are going to put a little bit on it in their portfolio and it's risk money and it could be hero or it could be zero. I think they're going to do really well. It's great technology. It is a speculative buy. Yeah, it's got some big backers as well. Brain chip for you, Josh. That is going in the portfolio. That is a specy buy from both. And we will detail that. You do want to listen and you are going to want to do your own research and take your own financial circumstances into account. Scout Security is the next one. STC on the list from Ryan. Hadn't heard of this company. Looked it up. I am in the market for some sort of a Wi-Fi home security system. But Carl, would you invest in that narrative? Yeah, hey, so am I. And uh, I hadn't heard of this one before, and I thought, hey, these are really cool products. I got cool sidetracked products. on the and, website, yeah. Yeah, so, so did I. Uh, unfortunately, there's not much of a business there right now. That may change. It's not like a brain chip where they've got this amazing explosive. It could be world-changing. I mean, brain chip could be world-changing uh, with these new, uh, new computer chips they have. There could be a business there. I'm not so sure. I think I need a bit more time uh, to see them actually uh, put some money uh, on the board and uh, you know, put some results on the board. So uh, it's a no for me right now, but I'm going to watch this one very closely. Incidentally, we talked about Duke Exploration, Nadine. I know I'm very, very quick. Um, that's, a, that's a pun. I'd, I'd go a pun on brain chip before I go pun on Duke. You know, I think there's more going on there. Okay. All right. So you gave... Okay. All right. Duke, let's move on. Scout Securities. <laughs> Yeah, a brain chip is punt of the day from the stocks we've got, just <laughs> yeah. to cause more trouble with the time. <laughs> All um, right, Scout Security. Security. Market cap of $16 million. Uh, yeah, the in-home security, um, DIY, you don't get anyone out to install it, do it yourself. It's, um, they've got, some, they've got some, some, some big players coming in and, and sort of teaming up with them. So Amazon's, Amazon. yeah. Amazon's got them in their, uh, what is their uh, Alexia Guard program. Mm -hmm. And uh, Google, Google's Assist uses it, Samsung's um, SmartThings use it. So they're white labeling, white labeling it into some, um, some, some products with you know, big players. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, there is a story there. They're, they're not making any money, um, but their revenues are rising and their losses decreasing. So it's so moving in the right direction. It's, um, it's way for the momentum. There's no momentum in the share price at the moment. So this is a sort of one which you'd want to buy if it starts to break higher. Yeah. Um, until it does it, there's no hurry to get involved. So interesting story which could go somewhere, but let be guided by the price action rather than the, uh, the, you know, the what, what could be. Okay. So for now, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Stand back. Watch it. Gen Track Carl, GTK. Uh, so this is a dual listed company. Uh, I'm going to ask you from a technical view only, would you be buying into this company? No, it's too flat. There's a uh, long-term downtrend, short-term trend is flat. There's no pulse at all. Uh, there's, there's a decent business in there, but uh, COVID's um, knocked them about. It's going to take them a little while to, to pick up. And the chart's telling you that, so it's a pass for me. Okay. Gentrack, in your view, Jason? Yeah, it's a, it's a real down-and-out company. Um, $137 million market cap. It's, uh, it's not, a, not in the all ordinaries. It's not that that's a, that's a problem in its own, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's not, not a company I'd, I'd invest in at the moment. It's potentially a turnaround story at some point, but who's to say it's not going to go lower before that turnaround mm -hmm. happens? It's, uh, there's, there's no incentive to get them, get them bought at the moment. The, you know, the profits are down, revenue's stagnant, 
it's, uh, you know, you can't build a fundamental case at the moment, you can't see a technical case, so it's a, look, just stand back and, and leave it alone. Yeah, and there are other places to put your money. Carl, I'm can, I, I would like to know if uh, Australian Finance Group is a place that you would be comfortable putting your money at this time when you consider what's happening in the housing market. Yeah, look, we've had a buy on this one uh, for quite a while, so we, we still have a buy on it. Um, so I'm happy to stick with that recommendation at this stage. Uh, you know, they're shooting the lights out at the moment, but they've got a bunch of tailwinds behind them. Uh, but I think the growth will continue for, for the next uh, FY and maybe into the next one after that. Uh, a lot of it's factored in, though. So we're, we're, I mean, we're way, way ahead on this. Uh, a little bit less enthusiastic on the valuation here than, than I was uh, back at below $2 when we got in. However, I still think there's, as I said, a solid company there. The chart is fairly fairly solid. Um, it is pulling back at the moment. Um, I, if, you, if you're going to buy it now, I'd probably recommend just waiting for a little bit of momentum back through 282. Uh, and then that would tell me that that long-term uptrend that's in place is re-establishing itself and uh, we're, we're back in that uptrend. It's a Perth company, isn't it? Uh, is, uh, I don't know. I I'm not so. sure. I can't I uh, com so. comment on that one. Yeah. I, I got caught myself on that one too. Spoke too I, soon. I know. I know. Brainchip. Uh, Brainchip is a is a Perth based is. Uh, research and development. Yeah. 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 Just to get back to another brain tip. Chip. Another tip for Brainchip. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, Jason, Australian Finance Group (AFG). Uh, I guess it comes down to margin. I guess it comes down to the continued strength of the housing market and people getting in and taking out those loans and having to refinance as well, because that was a big tailwind for them through the COVID crisis when, when nobody was buying. Yeah, like the big, big tailwinds this company's had has been uh, you know, low interest rates and, and government stimulus, like uh, both federal and state. Uh, and there's been a lot of new home buyers coming into the market because of all this, these, these incentives. Um, so these are these, these really positive tailwinds. And uh, consumer sentiment has also been, been strong. Housing's going well, so it's, uh, it's it's been been great for the company. They've been increasing their revenues and their profits. It's um, uh, look. I like I like the company a lot. I think it's um, I think it's all all stacking up really well. It's uh, you know for th those who don't know, it's um, you know it's a um, an agitation uh, ag 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 aggregate yeah. an aggregation platform for mortgage brokers. And they've got around three thousand brokers, so it's you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big business. It's um, it's a ASX three hundred stock. Um, now it's um, uh, look while, while the business is healthy and it's growing. It's I don't know. It's my hesitation about buying it now is it's come a long way in the last twelve months, and so it's up from ninety cents to three dollars three dollars sixteen. So it's and not a buy. Now. In a healthy market, you need to see pauses. Mm -hmm. You need to see consolidations. I think that's what it needs just just now. It just needs to consolidate those gains, and then that provides uh, the the springboard for the for the next next leg up if that's what we happen to have. Uh, yeah, so I'd um, I'd say for now, it's a it's a, it's a wait, a wait and watch rather okay. than a buy. All right, thank you guys. Let me run through those very quickly. Now, InvoCare was for Monica. It is a no from both of our expert guests. Both of them say, where's the growth gonna come from? Yeah, potential turnaround story, but there's nothing that uh, is exactly pointing to the fact that, that it will come to fruition and that you will grow. There's better places to put your money. Brain chip, how am I gonna summarize this? Uh, this is a specky buy from both of the guys. Look, 
In Carl's view, it could be hero or zero. It's a punt, but it's got an interesting story, and that's what they're both liking, really. Jason's saying it is interesting, but it looks very 1999-ish. He has actually given us some, um, you know, some confines around it. 60 cents to the top side, 40 cents to the downside. It could really surprise, but again, this is a very speculative punt. Proceed with caution. Scout security, interesting story for both of the guys. It's not a buy though, just watch it, wait, see what happens, see what comes to fruition. Jason points out that it is making some good deals with the likes of Amazon, so some pretty big names associated with it. Long-term downtrend for Gentrack Group, GTK for Julian. So it's a down and out company in Jason's view. Why would you get in? Uh, both of them agree on that one. A uh, little bit of a disagreement here on Australian Finance Group. It still is a buy for Carl. He says he was early on that one. He's been watching it for quite a while. It's been shooting the lights out. Uh, you know, a little bit less enthusiastic now than he was perhaps previously because of the valuation, but it is still a buy. Jason likes it. There's lots of tailwinds. The hesitation is that he thinks that we just need to see a bit of a period of consolidation. Consolidation is good, it's healthy, it's needed, and that's why he would not be buying AFG Group at this time, Mike. Carl Capulinga, Think Markets, thank you, thank you for joining us. Always fun, really appreciate your insights. Thank you, Nadine. We got there in the end just. We always do, and Jason McIntosh from Motion Trader, always great to have you, and thank you so that much. That was a lot of fun. That was good fun. All right, goodbye to you watching. Thanks for doing so. Flick us an email, the call at osviz.com.au. Stay with us, we've got plenty more to come. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.